Here we go with the latest SBL shoot around. We take a look at everything from the men's competition with a man who's created a remarkable coaching legacy after a 200-game playing career. Ben Etridge joins Chris Wright to bring you another men's SBL shoot around. Hello and welcome to another week of SBL Shootaround. We're getting to the halfway mark now in the West Coast Classic, which seems seemed incredible to think because it was only a couple of weeks ago where we were just getting underway, but all of a sudden every game is taking on significance as the race for the top four heats up and also players are putting their hands up for, for higher honours, I guess. This is the chance to really present a strong case that you deserve to be be, be noticed in the West Coast Classic and, and you have a look at some of the players right across the league and, and they are getting noticed and and as we announced last week, myself and my co-host will be pay, paying paying our respects to the players that have stood out so far and, and having a look at all of our mid-season award winners on this week's show. We'll have a look at all of the Round 4 action in the West Coast Classic, preview Round 5 and we've got a very special guest, somebody who, who came out as an import initially to the SBL and he's Pretty much stayed ever since. He first came almost over a decade ago. He's still here playing in the league now. So plenty for us to talk to our special guest about this week as well. So I'm Chris Pike here on SBR Shootaround and joined by the man who's now desperately trying to find a way to keep his Calamundra Eastern Suns in finals contention if there's a way. Ben Etridge, how do I find you this week? Uh, yeah, look, we're going going quite well. Um, I think the way that the uh, the situation breaks, we're still only uh, what's that three games out of the top four. So, um, yeah. would be nice to have that extra extra sort of ten or twelve games to get there. But <laughs> look, things are going all right. Um, it's a very big learning process for us, as it is for a few of the teams in the league, as we discussed last year. But um, to the boys' credit, um, they're still up and about and, and looking forward to uh, the next six six or so weeks of uh, the West Coast Classic. One of those players in your team at Calamunda is our special guest this week, but, gee, he's got a story well and truly beyond the Eastern Suns. You've coached against him pretty much your whole coaching career, so it'll be fascinating to get your insights into what it was like, you know, having to come up against one of the most versatile versatile bigs that we've seen in the SBL over the last decade. What can you tell us about our guest for this week? Well, Corey is someone that, um, again, has, has played on a multitude of teams and he's he's been that ever-consistent guy. He's always seemed to be that guy that teams have picked up uh, maybe later in their in their preseason because he was was here um, and, and uh, not your prototypical big guy, uh, probably more of your stretch four, stretch five now, which really fits a lot of teams and just brings a huge amount of knowledge and and um, and is someone who's very willing to share as you know as I've sort of found being up there and coaching him for the first time. He's got such a great brain and a great feel for the game. Um, Corey's one of those guys that when he does speak in the locker room, everyone listens to what he's saying. So looking forward to having a bit more of a chat to him about his basketball journey and, um, yeah, seeing if we can find out, you know, maybe who's his favourite team or who's his favourite uh, teammate along the journey for him because he has played for, for quite a few different teams, not only in WA but also around Australia. Yeah, absolutely. So Corey Easley is the man we're talking about. Fascinated to pick his brain because it's it's always fascinating to hear about somebody who comes out as an import, ends up staying, and ends up being classified as a local because you you just you just become 
invaluable to your team once you can still provide what an import does in a lot of ways and maybe not at this point of his career but you go back three or four years and he was still putting up import type type production while being classified as a, as a local so so he's been massively important on every team he's been part of and he's got a he's got a story to share well and truly beyond basketball as well so looking forward to having him as our guest on SBR shoot around for this week taking a look at some of the round four action, Ben, before we, we go into our mid-season award winners. We're seeing some blowouts, and that's going to happen when we've got, I guess, SBL-caliber teams playing developing teams, as we've talked about before. But we're also seeing some really close games, and, and the Willard and Tigers had two of them on the weekend, and, and all of their losses that they've had this, this season so far have all been pretty much decided on the buzzer or in the last minute of games. They had they had one on Friday night against the Perth Redbacks where the Redbacks, their, their, their stars hit some big shots late. Marshall Nelson, Caleb White and Teva Jackson to take the game away from them there. And then it was their star, Damian Scott, who hit the game-winning shot on Saturday night against the Goldfields Giants. And then we saw the Coburn Cougars and the Goldfields Giants play out a really, really entertaining game on Sunday at Wally Hagen. But... It was again Luke Travers and Gavin Field who were the difference. It's great to see some some close games when we're we're getting some blowouts, but we're getting some really exciting finishes as well. Yeah, and that's what the this West Coast Classic is offering to to coaches and players um, when the when the matchups are really really close. As we saw, you know, Redbacks, Coburn, and and the Giants, you could throw a blanket over those three t- three teams on the ladder. Probably very um, similar in experience levels of the players they've got. Um, and again, you've got. Um, you know, Coburn with a new coach, Redbacks with a new coach, and Giants have got a coach that's into his going into his second season. So as far as the impact that they're having on their team, it's very similar as well. So, yeah, great to see some great results. And um, that man, Damien Scott, just uh, evergreen and continues to deliver in, in clutch situations. Yeah, well, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Tigers because you've seen them up at Calamunda where they played really well. That was that was a, probably their best and most emphatic win of the season when they, they beat the Suns. But their three losses, they, they were overrun by Lakeside at First up in a game where they were in control of, and then they they've lost in overtime to Perry Lakes, and then they lost on Friday night to to the Redbacks pretty much in the last minute. They could very easily be five and zero, but in a tight competition like this, all of a sudden they're three and three, and probably out of the playoff out of the playoff race just about. Yeah, and when you look at you know their off-season recruiting for Willerton, that was probably you know again they'd recruited to sort of make that make that top eight. Uh, whether or they were going to make a lot of noise in the in, in the final series, it was that team that's always sort of been in in the mix. And again, you take out the the recruiting that they'd had, and and you lose a Jackson Hussey as your as the guy that's going to sort of steer your ship. It's really falling on their their younger players to do that. Damien Scott, um, Andrew Black, and uh, Lewis Thomas are doing a, a really great job as sort of that um, leadership group for them there. Um, but yeah, I sort of think that uh, probably it might be time for the Tigers to have a bit of a bit of a think about what they're trying to do and um, who they're gonna they're gonna add for next year. Um, given that they have got that really good group of young kids coming through, and probably a chance to assess, yeah, did we have the right imports? You know, who do we add? Who do we who do we subtract? Sort of thing um, to sort of set them up for an, uh, another run of the finals campaign next year. Goldfields Giants are fascinating to me as well. I'm so excited by what. Wayne Creek has been able to pull together for this West Coast Classic because we looked at them and we thought they were just going to be too young. We saw them in that first game against the Senators that they played where they lost by 48 points and we thought it might be tough for them. But the starting five he's got now with with the two the Twin Towers, Mayo Malik and, and Majir Garang, but then he's got Jerome Reed, Fletcher Clastorny and Damon Ballantyne and then he's got his young kids coming off the bench now. Um, 
even though they lost two games on the weekend, and and I you know I still think the difference in the, the two games were Damian Scott, Luke Travers, and Gavin Field, and you just have to take that sometimes. But I really like the group that he's now got together at, at the Giants. Yeah, and it's something that the the country teams really, really, you know, their, their junior programs do do a lot of work to to bring through kids, and they don't often get the chance to put them into these types of situations. So, similarly for the Bucks, you know, they've got some young boys up there that are really getting a baptism of fire, and um, the the Giants are are reaping the rewards of having that young core. They're all around the same age. They're all guys that you know, or well, most of them are guys who have left the the city to to take this opportunity on, um, and. And you know, regardless of what they, they add to their program for next year, they're going to have five, six, seven guys who have all played in clutch situations, played you know minutes down the stretch of a game that, that means something. Um, and even more so you know, for, for Wayne Creek, he's getting the opportunity to coach these guys under pressure um, and see how they respond. The other thing I wanted to touch on quickly was the Coburn Cougars as well. All of a sudden, they've won three games in a row and they didn't have Jared Holmes and Saver Chan, two of their most experienced and better players on the weekend, but they still came away with two two really good wins. And Luke Travis and Gavin Field are at the centre of everything. And then they're surrounded by by a bunch of no name kids, which is which is really exciting. And that's the you know the job that Andrew Cooper's been brought in to do. He had great success with our our junior state teams, and he's been able to recruit accordingly. A kid like Kai Chamberlain goes down there because he knows that's his state coach, and and he obviously enjoyed playing um, for him. Um, and you know Kai Chamberlain has 17 points on the weekend in a, in a game that that really came down to the to the wire. Um, you know, so he's the starting you know, five man all of a sudden. There you go. And these are the opportunities that are coming their way. And, and again, any time, and we've spoken to Charlie about this, any time you've got Gavin Field on your team, you're, you're in with a chance to to come away with a win. Um, you know, the fact that Saver and, and Jared Holmes have um, got their numbers increased and their time increased. And um, again, a, a, a next level talent like Luke Travers, um, if they can hold on to him even for one more season, mm-hmm. um, whether or not that fits the Wildcats um, development plan for him. I know um, he's sort of not on a minutes restriction, but he's on a, on a games restriction at the moment, not playing double headers. Uh, if the Wildcats sort of see it as good for his development that he continues uh, playing in the SBL, then next year, um, again, they're getting a free swing to see what they can put alongside Gavin and um, and Luke, along with developing their, their core group of you know, five, six, seven guys underneath that. Um, it really puts a team like the Cougars and, and Andrew Cooper in good stead for, for where they want to be. And then out of the Calamandrius and Suns, you lost your only game of the weekend to... So Lakeside on your home floor on Saturday night. Um, I was able to catch some of the live stream of the game, and unfortunately, it was a game where it did appear that the Lightning were in control pretty much from from start to finish. What did you take out of out of the game? As we've said before, it's um, it's about being consistent in everything that you do, and um, you know we come off a, a poor weekend two weeks ago to have a really good weekend um, against the Bucks and and against uh, the Wolves, and then this weekend. Um, we we're, we're down again and just missing on a few little things and again um you know we're we're throwing in this we played another two two boys that this was their first weekend of uh, of SBL so now I think we're now up to six guys that have sort of gone through our roster um, and it's that learning curve Brendan Donato and Carl Aylett and Ryan Blanchard are, are getting thrust into that one two three option uh, whereas last year they were probably you know four five six 
So massive learning curve for them. Um, we've seen some really good things out of, out of Ryan Blanchett and, and Cooper Lowe. You know, those boys are going to be um, quality bigs for us down the track. And um, just, again, the ability to, to put kids into situations and, and say, all right, you know, you've got to work it out and we'll, we'll break it down um, throughout the game and, and during the week so you're going to get better. So, um, yeah, look, disappointing that we lost, but um, the game's bigger than the, you know, the final score at the end of the day. No, it is. And you make a great point. It's all about as long as you're getting minutes into players who perhaps wouldn't be getting minutes in a normal SBL season. That's what this is all about. And I, I caught up with Matt, Matt Parsons last weekend. And I know it's a bit easier for him to say because his Hawks are 6-1. and one, But but he kind of gave the impression that he would be happy to be 1-6 and six or 0-6 and six or whatever it was as long as he was still doing things the right way and still giving minutes to the young kids on his team. So that's what this is all about. And that's what you're happy to be doing at the Suns. And if you've only won one game, so be it. But all of those kids who are playing at this level for the first time, they're going to be so much better for, for the experience. And the, the other thing too that we had a chat as a coaching staff about was, and this has been a very long season. We're not essentially five weeks in. We're actually, you know, almost 20, 23 weeks into the season if you, you sort of put in when we should have started. And, um, you know, this is a huge mental challenge for these guys. Um, you know, for a lot of these teams, they don't not used to playing basketball in, in August. Um, you know, the, the, this is a long season. Uh, and, you know, mentally... We we spoke about well you know what yeah we've only five six games in but our guys might need a mental freshen up we might need to sit down and discuss how we are feeling and how we're travelling and you know how has this whole pandemic affected us um, and how can we help each other through that so. Um, no, you're right, yeah, everyone yeah. was ready to play back in March. Everyone was ready to go, weren't they? Yeah, most definitely, most definitely, and, and you know it, it does come down to um, you know how how experienced the guys are how. You get to see who your leaders are through this time, and I'll use Lakeside as an example. You know, they they obviously through this break because they've got great leaders around their group. And you look at someone like Kyle Armour and Michael Vigor and Jared Prue, guys that have been around the league for a long, long time. They obviously, even by the looks from the outside, kept that team ticking along. They kept that driving that team, and Lakeside's physical conditioning was five times better than ours. And when you look at our leaders, we haven't got those leaders. We've got guys that have sort of been, you know been led for the last few years so we're encouraging our emerging leaders to take on those roles and say you guys need to take ownership of this because this is the situation you're going to be in now we didn't know this was going to happen so you can't really plan for it but again it's such an opportunity to see how different guys are reacting and how different guys are are traveling Um, but yeah also taking into account that this has been a very very long year and a long season for everyone involved um, and we're not just five weeks into a West Coast Classic we're actually you know 20 23 weeks or 24 weeks into an SBL season so um, just some things for for people to bear in mind as we see you know performances fluctuate and go up and down and all that sort of thing it's it's it is does take its toll um, this last sort of six to eight months. No it is a great point and usually by now we'd only have We'd only have four teams left, wouldn't we? We'd be just about semi-finals. Yeah, we get the semi-finals. Yeah, so correct. No, you make a great point, and we'll come back to all of the results from round four in a bit more detail after our first break. But now here on SBL Shoot Around, it's time to dissect what we've seen so far in the West Coast Classic. Four rounds in, and a lot of the teams have played played at least half of the matches. So if you're playing, what are we playing? We're playing thirteen games, I think it is. I think it is for the for the season. Uh, and so so a lot of the teams. Something like that, yeah. 
yeah, a lot of the teams have played almost half or just over half. So this is a good time for us to take a look at our mid-season award winners. Before the season, we made all of our predictions, what we thought we would have seen during the SBL season. So we were happy to to put our, I guess, put our necks on the line and, and take the criticism, which naturally comes when you do things like this, because if you're not, if you're not picking the team that the person's associated with, they're naturally going to be unhappy with you. So that's just the, the way things are in this in this funny funny industry we're in. So we're going to take a look at all of our mid-season award winners and and players that have stood out to us so far in the in the West Coast Classic. Ben, um, where do you want to start? Oh, let's start with the champions. Who do we think is going to uh, going to take it or take home the mm-hmm. West Coast Classic? Uh, trophy or box of chocolates or whatever they're going to fork out at the end of this year so I reckon that's a good place to start it is it always is and I I can't pick, I can't pick anyone but the junior Light wolves right now um, they they are the club that is taking this the most seriously they're the club that has clearly put together a team that wants to win this championship and that has to win this championship when you bring in Lee Roberts and Lachlan Cummings just before the season starts you have to win the championship so right now they're well positioned they're five and one they're in a good position to win it, and I, I but I, yeah, I just think they have to win it. I think if if they don't win it, this is a massive failure from the Junior Wolves. So I think they have to win it, and they're on track to do so. Yeah, well, I um, I, I sort of hear everything you're saying, but for me, I think the the title run through uh, Warwick Senators this year. Yeah. Um, I think their depth of the um, yeah, depth of teams. Although it was without Robbie Huntington, as we spoke about last week, um, you know, a couple of things for the for Warwick. Just that depth in in that they do have, and they've unearthed a, uh, a, a emerging superstar in, in Ethan Elliott. But um, of all the teams in the top or in the league at the moment, they have the um, the best three point shooting. I think I calculated they have 10, 10 people shooting above forty um, percent from the three point line. Yep. And the eleventh person is Caleb Davis at thirty six percent. So you know they have they have shooting all over the floor. And the way the game is going nowadays, it's it's about having or forty minutes of five three point shooters on the floor. So I look at that. Um, whether that's by trial or design, I'm not quite sure. But um, I think Warwick, if they can put it together, um, uh, are really going to make a run for it. Um, and then um, I would sort of have just behind them the Perry Lakes Hawks, just based on the consistency of their playing list and and the guys they've got. Surprisingly enough, the the Hawks have got a a guy by the name of Rob Casilla is uh, actually probably having one of his best shooting seasons. Uh, last week he was as close to 50, 40, 90. As uh, I think we've seen anyone in the SBL, his, his numbers dropped a little bit. He's at 48, 42, and 86. Uh, this, is a, but I reckon, this is the guy who thought his career was over three exactly. years ago. Exactly. Five years ago. It's remarkable. Yep. And that's where we spoke about at the start of the year. For those guys who you know, were a little bit older and been around the league a bit longer, this sort of season really, really suits them. Uh, not as intent, uh, less games they have to prepare for. So someone like Rob Kassir and Sear and Ben Ben Persa, you know, these sorts of seasons now really suit them. And I think we're seeing you know, the quality of their preparation and their ability to play. Um, I think getting those two guys in that one-off final um, is really going to put Perry Lakes in good stead. But yeah, Warwick, Warwick for me is the uh, overall champions of the uh, West Coast Classic. Yeah, it'd be actually great to see because they've been building for this for a long time. It'd be great to see them get some reward for their effort for for being so consistent for such a long time. If I had to pick a grand final, so I'd be picking June Lup and the Senators right now. That'd be my my grand final. Yeah, I reckon that'd be a, that'd be a good game too. Absolutely, but like you said, Perry Lakes are knocking on the door, and and we haven't mentioned Lakeside yet, who've just got such depth right now. 
Yeah, I think yeah, Lakeside might lose a bit of that depth. I know that um, Corey Sherwell's having surgery on his wrist, or I've heard he's having surgery on his wrist. Whether McKenzie's heading back, uh, they won't have Kyle. Um, and you know, Michael Vigor is always a week to week, given his um, his aging calf muscles there. So they could very quickly they lose a couple of key players and lose get an injury. Um, but they're still going to play hard and, and try and get those 53s a game up, which I know is a target of theirs. But yeah, I just think you know those top three: Warwick, Perry Lakes, and June Lop. Um, any any of those three, but Warwick for me. Yep. No, fair enough. Why don't we go MVP next? Yep. All right. Do you want me to go first? Yep. All right. Well, my uh, my MVP probably no surprise to people that listen to this show is uh, Luke Travers. I just think that kid is at another level at the moment. His numbers speak for themselves: eighteen points a game, fourteen rebounds, and, and five assists. Uh, on the weekend, he had a a twenty twenty game, and he and he had twenty one and eighteen at three quarter time, and then a near triple double, um, you know, down the stretch on on a Sunday, and then he's you know he's shooting splits of you know fifty. 35 and, and 75 from the free throw line are, are as good as anyone in the league and it's just his importance to what Obi-Wan is doing and a massive part of that three-game win streak they're on at the moment and every time he sets foot on the floor uh, he seems to be going from strength to strength so uh, not sure how the voting works um, this year but for me uh, Luke Travers is the MVP of the West Coast Classic. Yeah, th- this one I found really tough because I I also thought Luke Travers was a, a real genuine contender. I thought his teammate Gavin Field was as well. Um, you could make a case for both Lockie Cummings and Lee Roberts of the Wolves as well. I think you can make a case for Jay Bowie. So far what he's done at Lakeside, Caleb White and Marshall Nelson, I think you can make a case for Jackson Hussey at, at the Flames, you can make a case for. I think Justin King, you can make a case for at the centre. So there's a lot of players really putting their hand up. But the one for me that I couldn't overlook was Ben Purser at the Perry Lakes Hawks. He He's done it for a long time. He's not really playing above what he has at any other point in his career. He's just continuing the amazingly high level that he's always played at. But he's doing it while having to play almost as the as that point five man, given how small the Hawks are this season. So he's doing a remarkable job. 18, 18 points a game, 5.9 rebounds, 2.6 assists. He's, he's, he's shooting the ball reasonably well. And yet for me right now, I can't go past Ben Purser as the, as the MVP. Yeah, and Purse has done this for a long, long time, and uh, whatever they seem to call on him to do, he he can do. But yeah, very, very good choice there for, for your MVP. I think if you were to take either of those two out of their prospective teams, um, you'd probably see a, a big decline in in how they were going. So um, yeah, definitely two two guys. I think that will duke it out for for MVP. And we did see that with Coburn when they were without Luke Travis against the Perth Redbacks, they were they were blown out. He comes back the next night and. And I think that's they might have got really close to beating the June Love Wolves, and ever since then they haven't lost a game. So yeah, it makes a big difference. And and similar, you take Percy out of that Hawks team, and maybe they are one and six instead of six and one. So I think that says it all about their importance. Now, most improved player, I think we're both on similar wavelength. We might have different different choices, but they're not too far apart. Do you want to go first on your most improved player from the West Coast Classic? Yeah, look, this is just simply on how he's performed this year. I know he was serviceable last year, and uh, but for me, Mayo Malik up at um, for the Giants is just phenomenal at the moment. Uh, you know, again, 22 points a game, six or seven rebounds a game. His shooting splits are off the charts, 50, D35 and 90. As a big guy shooting 91% from the free throw line, and it's not, he's 9 of 10, I think he's something like 20 of 22. Um, 
that to me just says, you know, he's he's working on his game, he's delivering, he's being put into into a situation where he has to be the man on his team and and he's and he's doing it. So um but yeah, you know, not to be outdone by his running mate um Magikarang there, but um just his overall, you know, his overall game and, and the way he's improved and the impact he's having. Um I think he's uh he's a superstar for, for many years to come in this league. Uh, and I see no reason why he couldn't play NBL. He's got all the tools in the world to, to make the next step as well, especially with those shooting numbers at his size. And uh, it's not that I disagree with you. I just think I'm going for his teammate, Maji Garang, just because I think he's come from a bit further back. So last last year he was a, a solid role yep, player at the, I agree. At, the, yep. at, at the Perth Redbacks, and I think he was he was averaging about eight points and eight rebounds a game. So he was he was doing reasonably well, but but now he's just skyrocketed to to 13 points a game, 15.2 rebounds a game, and he's got such a big upside still. I just I just don't think he backs himself enough. I watched him on pretty closely on Sunday against the Cougars, and he was second-guessing taking his shot, and he's a, he's a really pure, nice-looking shooter. He just needs to have the confidence to take the shots when they're there for him, and, and I think his numbers can, can go up further from there. So well, I think what we're saying is that the Goldfield Giants have got have got two, two pretty good ones there, and I spoke to Wayne Craig after the game and asked him the question, about re-signing them, and he said that said that it's well and truly in the works, and they're very confident about having them locked in for for next year. Yeah, no, look for me the 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 where I split those two was just on those shooting numbers. You know, mm-hmm. um, if Magic shooting fifteen percent from the free throw line, it's probably an area of his game that that he could improve, and it might put him in good stead for next year. But yeah, as you say, they they are both versatile, and you know, speaking to a few people, um, you know, they are on a on a couple of teams' radars in in the metro area. So you know, I know Creaky and and um, Mr French up there are gonna. You know, probably put put a decent offer in front of them, and and hopefully for development, um, they stay there because they seem to have found a home and are really enjoying playing um, up in Kalgoorlie. Absolutely, coach of the year. This is a this is an interesting one, and and obviously you're in a great position to judge this given given your history and and for whatever reason you never won this award yourself, which I think a lot of people will find remarkable. But I'll go first just because you're you're the one with all the inside. I'll go. I'm going for Matt Parsons from the Perry Lakes Hawks, and and I'll explain why it's be. He's got he's got the experienced trio there with Rob Casier, Ryan Smith, and Ben Purser, but then he's he's building for the future around those three guys. So that's what is most exciting to me about what he's doing. So he's he's giving extra responsibility to Bailey Cole, Cooper Hamilton, and Mitch Clark, and then beneath that, it's the next generation of of young players as well who he's giving, yeah, like you're doing at the Suns, giving their first crack at playing at this level too. So like an Elijah Hayden, um, you've, you've got a, a few different different guys there. Zach Shear, um, Tom Thorup, Harry Imerson, who looks like he's a pretty exciting talent. So all these guys are getting their first crack at the SBL. So I think he's got three T's. He's got his experienced guys to make sure things don't fall off a cliff. He's got his guys that are, I guess, the next leaders once he loses those experienced players. And then he's got the very young players that he's giving a chance to. So, And he's doing that while sitting with a 6-1 record. So... That's why why I've gone for, for Matt Parsons. Yeah, and again, he's he's probably got that good mix of um, going for the win in this one, and, and also developing his, uh, his his kids coming through. For me, I sort of think of this as a as a two horse race. Both friends of the program. Um, for me, I, I look at the job that Wayne Creek is doing. I think um, similar to what he did last year. 
Um, you know, he's got a good core group of guys. He's building a culture. We've spoken to him about what what it means for him to be, you know, the head coach of the the, the Giants up there, and mm-hmm. and the production and the the confidence that he's giving into you know kids essentially and guys that have you know made the made the the move up there to to get a more of an opportunity. Um, you know, his his first five guys are, are really responding to him. Um, and then the second one is is CJ Jackson, first year coach. Um, as we said, it was going to take him a little while, or the players a little while to get used to what he wants. Wanted um, essentially a whole new team there, and to be five and two, given that they had a, a loss in week one, um, they could easily be sitting in that top four. I and mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't uh, make a bit of a run as they start to get that consistency. Um, and he's obviously able to find out what buttons he needs to push with Marshall Nelson. Um, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of quiet halves we've seen, and then you know, next thing you know, Marshall's gone from five to to twenty five points in the space of a quarter. So um, he, he's working out how to how to coach Marshall and and how the rest of the team fits around him. And um, if you can make that happen, then you know CJ's you know, well and truly on his way to um, you know making a big run. And again, type of kid if he can keep him here next year, sets him up um, with the, the pieces he puts around him. Absolutely. Can't argue with either of those two guys either. We've got some really good candidates. And I guess the only reason I didn't say Wayne Creek was because I didn't want to think we were giving him too much love because I tipped him as my SBL coach of the year as well when we did those predictions. But, yeah, three very good candidates there. And, and there's some some that we didn't pick as well who certainly have good cases to make. Now, we, we, we've picked two different all-star teams as well from the competition so far. So we'll have an all-star five plus a next-gen five, especially because this competition is so much based around developing young players. We thought we we just had to do it that way. Why don't we go for our all-star five team first, Ben, and, and you can start us off. Yeah, look, the All-Star 5 for me, I've kind of tried to leave out the the next generation guys because there's a couple of guys that probably could have made it, but I think I wanted them to have their own shine and also give an opportunity for a few of the guys who would have been very easy for some of these guys just to say, no, we're not playing, it's only a 10-week season and um, or have turned up and you know just rolled the balls out and, and not really given it their all. So um, for me, these these five guys have really you know taken the taken it on and, and their preparation and everything they're doing is showing through. Um, but at the point guard spot, I have... Uh, Jackson Hussey, um, I think he's doing a great job. Really, really found a niche for himself there and, and, and playing really well. Um, Marshall Nelson, who, again, fortunate to have him in the league. He's probably NBL 1, you know, looking at that for, for this year. So to have him in and averaging 20 a game is phenomenal. Um, Justin King, uh, leading the league in scoring, and his shooting numbers are, are the best in the league, 50, 53, 46, and, and 84. That's the best across uh, of, of anyone. You know, the time and effort he puts into his trade is, is outstanding. Um, Caleb White at the four spot, probably slid him up a spot there. He's not really a, a four. He's more of a three, but in, in this comp, he's playing the four. Again, just an elite shooter um, and delivering. And, and, you know, the evergreen Lee Roberts, I think any team would, would open their door and welcome Lee Roberts in um, 21. One and ten, um, just a workhorse and, and delivering. So yeah, I think you know that's a for me that's a, that's as good as five as, as uh, running around. You know, is there a case for a Lachlan Cummings and a Damien Scott, Ben Percy, Gavin Field? Yeah, probably. But um, I just sort of think you know those five are the ones that have really sort of stood out for me. Yeah, they have, and I can't argue with any of them. But I have got a couple different point guard. I've gone Jackson Hussey as well. I think he's been the standout point guard so far. In this competition, at shooting guard, I've got Justin King. I think he probably splits between playing the two and the three spots, so I'm I'm happy with him there. But but again, I could have I could have gone for for, for as you did did with Marshall Nelson or Lachlan Cummings. I think probably could have gone there as well quite comfortably in the three spot. Even though he's not really playing the three spot this season, um, 
I've got a couple of other guys ahead of him. So he slid down a little bit, probably like you slid Caleb White up a position or two. So I've gone Ben Purser in the three spot. And I've gone Luke Travers in the four spot. And Mayo Malik in my five spot. Yep. No, I can't argue with that as well. Like, I think um, hopefully that's what we're going to see is a few people jump on board and, you know, tell us we got it wrong, as people often <laughs> like to do. And, you know, put your case forward as to why you think um, different people should have made it. But um, any any of those eight or nine names, um, I think anyone be, would, wouldn't begrudge us as of having them in our All-Star 5. Now, excited to see what sort of young players get some recognition now in our next-gen 5 team. Why don't you start us off? Oh, look, for me, uh, this is the one that most excites me. And yeah. I think these are the names that really, you know, they, they become the Ben Purses and the you know, Gav Fields of, of the, the next sort of 10 years for us. So, you know, hopefully we get to see him in the league for a long, long time. At that point guard, you know, this guy, I could have chucked him in as my most improved. Um, I did consider him for that. Um, and that's Kieran Berry at East Perth. You know, 11 points a game and five assists a game from your point guard is is more than serviceable. Um, and the biggest thing for me is his, is his shooting splits. He's really improved from the perimeter. Um, you know, 45% overall and 55% from the three-point line is, is just great for Kieran. You know, five assists a game and, and just uh, the way he's sort of leading that team is, is excellent. At the two-guard spot, I uh, hope we get to see him for a bit more is uh, Corey Sherville. Um, reminds me very much of Trown Iliadis in the way that he can just blow a game open in a quarter. We were you know, very keyed in on him. than he was three years ago too. I was surprised how big he is now when I saw him on Friday yep. night. Yep, and you know his body is in, is is improving, and his um his shot making capability is is definitely second to none. Um, the guy that has really taken the league by storm, and they've got two good ones there at East Perth, is is Shaq Maharaj. I think he's just the prototypical three man in the SBL that people just can't find a match up for him. Um, and his points production is is really showing that. And the part of his game he's really improved is his three point shooting. Um, you know, nearly forty percent from the three point line is is outstanding. Um, bit of a homer one here for me um, at the force. I, I love this kid and I think he's got a huge future. Uh, it's Ryan Blanchett. I think you know at, at the four spot, um, you know, versatility is what you want. The ability to, to sort of you know, go inside or play perimeter. I think um, he's got that and um, you know his his mid range game. Even though they say the mid range is dead, is is um, is very good. That sort of high post to to, to wing spot. He's a very very good contributor. Um, and at the five spot. Um, Mayo, Mayo Malak as, as our five for our, our next gen team. I think those those five guys, and you, you know, you could have a, a Tom Atkinson or a um, Isaac Gatorna or a Rowan McKenzie in there as well. Even you know, little Carl Aylett up the hill for us or Ethan Elliott. Those sorts of guys, you know, there's there's a uh, probably another six seven names that we could all throw in there that that we could we could say are worthy of being in there. Um, but for me, those five, um, you know, if they're in the league for the next ten years, we've got a pretty strong league. Um, you know, that we're we're going to enjoy going watching play. Yeah, absolutely, totally agree. Um, and I, I've I've got two teams here that I could have easily picked and been happy with either of them. So I, yeah. I think there's easily ten guys that we could have as our next gen. All-Star 5 players, but I had to narrow it down, obviously. So as my point guard, I had Connor Minchinton from the Wilderton Tigers, who is probably the, the first guard off the bench now behind Andrew Black and Damon Scott of the Tigers. But, yeah, I just think for his ability to shoot the ball and also to run the point for, for the Tigers, I think he's somebody that for the next 10 years he can be doing it for them. So I think he's a, a very exciting talent. But in brackets, like you, I had Kieran Berry, who... Now that he's getting the chance to run run a team himself at East Perth, he's, he's showing some really exciting exciting signs. As my two guard I had, he probably plays more of a three, but I've got a pretty big team. So I've put him down to the two spot is, is Shaq Maharaj, and you explained all the reasons why. That was a, a pretty obvious choice, but 
in brackets, I had Rowan McKenzie from from Lakeside. He's developing into into a really exciting all round player. The three spot, and this is one that you almost scared me off from before we started the show when we had a look at his shooting percentages. So he's he's still a work in progress, but for somebody that has come from not being able to find a spot in the league to now being a starter on his team and and leading his team and probably the leader on his Mandurah team, Tom Atkinson, for what he's doing at the Magic, I think, deserves some recognition. And I think as he settles into the league, become a more a more efficient player as well. But his numbers right now are are quite remarkable. So I couldn't I couldn't over, overlook him. But in brackets, Fletcher Clastorny, for what I'm saying, his numbers are skyrocketing for what he's doing at the Goldfields Giants. So so I hope he can continue to do what he's doing there. And in the fourth spot, I've got Logan Thwaites, who he's just been buried on the benches on teams that he's been at before, and there's nothing wrong with that because he's been on incredibly deep teams, um, especially the Senators for the last couple of years. But now that he's getting a chance to show what he can do as a as a big who can, he's pretty skinny, but he can still finish inside. He can rebound the ball and he can step outside to shoot the three as well. So I like what what he's doing. And then in my five spot, because I had Mayo in my in my All Star five. I've got Majika Rang as the as the five man in my next gen team. Yeah, no, again, as we, we could have probably listed, you know, we've left off a kid like a Kai Chamberlain and yeah. um, that sort of guy that have been in our state programs and, and been around for a, for a, in, in that for a while that are once now they get giving those opportunities in, in the WCC, they're um they're grabbing him with both hands and, and really running with it. So um, the one that I think we may have left out also is the um, the personality of the year in the West Coast Classic. I'd like to get your thoughts on um, who you think would be in the running for for that one, mm-hmm. given that um, it is an award the SBL does present. Who's someone that's sort of standing out to you um, in, in that area? I have to I have to agree with Mark Utley and say Ben Etridge is my personality of the year. He's gone from perhaps being the most controversial coach in the league, but also the most successful coach when you reach five grand finals in a row to all of a sudden... You're my co-host here on the show. Your insight into the game is is unbelievable, but I think you're also proving to be entertaining to listen to. And we're we're the only SBL program around right now, so I'm going to have to go for you. I appreciate your comments, and uh, Mark has mentioned that to me a, uh, a couple <laughs> of times. But there's there's a name that I want to throw out that um, unless you've come to a, uh, a Eastern Suns game up the hill, you're probably not aware. And that's a guy by the name just simply goes as Franco. Uh, he sits on the opposite side. He's he's known for wearing a, a large orange jumper. He'll sometimes wear the Hawaiian print shirts. Very quick witted. Reminds me of someone that would have fit very well into the setup crew up at Junior up there. Uh, but yeah, Luke Franklin. If you get a chance to uh, attend an Eastern Suns game. Um, it's hard to miss him because of the orange orange jumper, but um, he's someone that's really showing me uh, his personality and it's what the, the league needs and those sorts of people are why we love the SBL there. They're the people that bring that little bit of humour and little bit of colour to the game. So I'm tipping, my tip is uh, Luke Franklin for SBL Personality of the Year. Now, Ben, we've got to, we've got to go back 12 months. Um, once you eliminated the Eastern Suns from the playoffs at the Wolves last year, this is the same fella who jumped on the coattails of whoever the Wolves were playing for the rest of the playoffs and was was well and truly getting stuck into, especially Jonas Ross, but I'm sure he had a few words for you as well. This is the same fella. What's going on? It is, and look, as we say, you know, um, proximity and recency bias can um, can change people's uh, opinions. And mm. as I said, um, a guy like him is very, very similar to, to a group of men that are very close to my heart in the uh, the setup crew up in Joondalup. And I love 
love being around people that are passionate and and love their team and support their club. And look, in saying you know that Luke's at every uh, every practice session, he's doing things we we ask him to do, filling water bottles up for us, rebounding, passing basketballs out. He's not just that guy that sits in the crowd. He's uh, someone that makes these clubs in the SBL so successful. Those above and beyond people um, that just you know their their heart bleeds whatever color um, their team is and look. You know, I've I've uh, jumped around a few clubs in my time as well, so I'll never begrudge anyone for doing that. But yeah, I just think you know, well, Luke, Luke is the yeah, type of person that's playing against you, though, Ben. Well, that's fair enough. I mean, that's probably the thirteen <laughs> other teams in the league. Um, you know, they're all everyone's entitled to to that. So, and I know Ernest enjoyed the bike play a little bit as well. So. Um, I but I, I think we, we beat. I don't know if he did. We beat we, we, we beat the Hawks in that game. So yeah, so that's all right. So obviously it didn't affect us too much. So um, but yeah, look, all in good fun and, and appreciate people like like Franco being around. He was a Buck supporter for the grand final though. I don't know if you noticed. Oh, I didn't. Don't remember much about that one. <laughs> I do because he was sitting right behind me. I've got to save what my question was going to be for this week for next week now because this is a fascinating topic. I, I'm fascinated by you bringing him up. Um, have you spoken to him about what happened in the playoffs last year and how he was so against your teams? Yeah, I have, and uh, it was one of the first things that that Mark said to me. Um, he goes, "We've got a guy you're going to meet when you come to the first practice, um, and he hates your guts." And I said, "Oh, okay." <laughs> And he goes, no, he hates you because uh, it, rivalry was there for such a long time and he's been listening to the SBL podcast um, and, and he just thinks you're a good bloke. And he can't. He's torn. He he can't work out. You know, he he's got all this past with you that he that he didn't like because he never met you. But now listening to you, you know, he loves your stories and he loves your way the way you go about it. And we've hit it off. Um, again, being able to sit down and talk to someone and see that we both love the game. Yeah, no no issues at all. So you know, he's the first guy to shake my hand when I walk in, and we've always got a bit of a by play going on and a bit of bit of fun and all that sort of stuff. So I guess that's you know the beauty of sport. It breaks down those little little barriers and and people can get on with their life and and enjoy. The sport that we love. That's actually fantastic to hear. I'm really, I'm really glad to hear that. But it also makes me think. One of the very first things that I mentioned to you when we talked about doing this show was that I wanted it. I wanted you to have the chance to change the way some people viewed you. And if you can change his mind, maybe maybe you can change everybody else's. Oh, look, it's life's not a popularity competition. Um, I learned no. that a long, long time ago. And but, but um, it's about people seeing know, the again, real you, not just the you that they might have judged on the bicycle court. Yeah, look, that again, everyone's entitled to an opinion and everyone's, you know, I've got people that I've probably never spoken to, but, you know, something's happened in a game or something's happened, you know, if someone cuts me off in traffic, I think that guy's the biggest idiot in the world. But yeah. have I met him? Do I know what's going on in his day? Do I know mm-hmm. he might be rushing home to get, get home to his to his kid or something like that? Like, I don't know those things. So everyone's got a different story. And again, uh, one thing I am learning as I'm um, sort of sitting here and, and contemplating life with not, not being able to get off the couch that much is, yeah, you've got to value your time that you do get to spend with people and spend more time doing things you enjoy and you know um, not carry around that baggage you know pick up the phone and call some people you haven't spoken to for a while and, and just sort of you know get on with life um otherwise you end up being a very lonely and an old man sitting in a room by yourself so you know if, if this if, if people's opinions of me are changing because of this then that's great but at the end of the day you know once people do get to sit down and have a chat and go through some things or see how i like to operate it's all, it's all fair and love and war i guess yeah yeah I think so too. Let's keep moving here on SBL Shoot Around. We'll wrap up the first segment there. And when we come back, we'll run through all of the results from round four in the West Coast Classic.
Okay, back on SBL shoot around. Let's take a look at round four now. All of the results from the West Coast Classic, Ben. But before we do, an update on our tipping. The gap's widening. I'm up to 35 that I've got right now over the first four weeks, and you're down at 24. Yeah, look, that gap, um, not exactly going the direction that I wanted, but, um, yeah, look, hopefully hopefully this weekend I can turn around. That That first week's really killed me. Um, yes. I think I should have taken it a little bit little bit more seriously, sort of giving you a big head start. But um, still got still got over five rounds to go, so see if we can peg back uh, two every round. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. Now, let's start Friday night, the thriller of the night at Belmont Oasis. The Perth Redbacks, 94 Beat the Wilderman Tigers, 92. Yeah, and a massive second half from Marshall Nelson. Uh, again, five points, I think, at uh, half time, And then ends up with, uh, I remember jumping on the live stats and flicking through, and it was just Marshall Nelson bucket, Marshall Nelson bucket, Marshall Nelson assist. So, obviously, uh, as you said, whatever CJ said to him got him going. And, yeah, he got the got the Redbacks over over the line at the end. Next up, Coburn Cougars beat the East Coast Eagles, 95-72. to 72. Not so much surprised by the result, but the margin probably a little bit surprising, especially when... The Cougars, as we talked about, were without Saber Chan and Jared Holmes. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that. And, uh, and again, that man picked up the uh, picked up the slack. Luke Travers with 20 points and 21 rebounds. And I think he had 20 points and 18 rebounds at three-quarter time. So, um, yeah, he's definitely the one that's um, you know, guiding them in the direction they want to go. Then last up on Friday night, I was at this game. It was, a, it was a really good game. It was only sort of late in the piece where Lakeside pulled away. And the difference was Corey Shervil and... Rowan McKenzie, those are those. They're, they're two men now that are playing at this level. They've developed, and they're they're two dominant forces when they're up and going. So the Lakeside Lightning eighty four beat the Rockingham Flames seventy one. Yeah, and it was this game that got Corey Sherwell over um, Rowan McKenzie for me in my All Star five. Yeah. Um, he hadn't shot a free throw. Uh, up until this game, and he went six for six. So, you know, if you're going to go six for six in a game um, from the free throw line, as well as you know, delivering 28 points, um, you know, that was kind of showed me that he he's not going to shy away from that contact. Um, and 10 rebounds is a huge performance out of your out of your two guard as well. Then mm. on Saturday, first home game of the season for the Geraldton Buccaneers, and it didn't quite go to plan. Warwick Senators ended up beating them 104 to 56. Yeah, and look. You know the the Warwick Senators are, are on a roll, and as I said, I've picked them to to take out the WCC and the Bucks. Probably not the um you know the return home that they would have been looking for, but you know, given their current situation, the fact that the boys are going out and, and giving it a crack, it's a credit to Dale and and the coaching staff and and to that Bucks organisation as a whole. Yeah, they didn't have Xavier Shaw either on top of neither of the Hunt brothers, so that that's a big chunk of their team. Their team missing without the imports already as well. So. Yeah, unfortunate big loss there for the Bucks, but I'm sure they unveiled their championship banner beforehand, which would have been well received. Then down in Mandurah, Junilup Wolves, another big win, 87, beat the Mandurah Magic, 54. Yeah, an interesting one here for me. I'm just trying to bring it up now as I have a bit of a, a look through, but again, we've got two teams at, at uh, opposite ends of the scale here, uh, but just looking at the, um, you know, the, the minutes played by um, by a few of the guys on the on the Wolves team, you know, you've got, you know, you've got their starters there who are all, what's this here, you know, 28, 31 minutes for Lee Robert, 20, you know, 26 for Seb Salinas. So, you know, th- those numbers into those guys, probably, you know, you look at the back end of their bench, you know, they've got guys that are playing four, one, four, clearly obvious uh, where their head's at. And then on the other end, you know, 
Yep, the magic, as you spoke to Aaron, so it's a huge learning curve for them and, and they're getting good service from um, from those young kids that are that are down there and, and getting some quality games against some quality people in for them. So, but yeah, bit of a disparity there in the uh, in the old minutes played for the uh, experienced guys. In some ways, it's probably a good thing for Mandra to play against them because their young guys are now getting to play, you know, 20, 25 minutes against a Salinas and an Iliadis and Maxwell or Roberts and Cummings. So while the scoreboard's not great, you learn so much from that. Exactly, and that's what that's what it's here for. Um, two ends of the scale as far as what they're um, preparing for. Um, but yeah, any time you can get those extended minutes into your bench and, and your younger guys, it's going to put you in good stead for the future. And down down in Bunbury, Perilakes Hawks 76 against the Southwest Slammers 55. It looks like a blowout, but the Hawks had that lead pretty much a quarter time, and it pretty much stayed that way for the rest of the game. So, and then the Slammers actually won the last quarter. So credit to Mark Worthington's men for for, for continuing to fight, even though they. They fell down pretty big early in the game. Yeah, and a, and a, a good all-round game there from Brody England. You know, fourteen point seven rebounds, three assists. You know, he kept fighting for the for the time he was out there. And um, again, a guy like that going up against a Ben Purser, it's only yeah. going to make him better. Absolutely. And the Rockingham Flames bounced back on Saturday night from their loss on Friday to beat the East Perth Eagles at home, ninety-five to eighty. Yeah, Travis Dernan, um, spoken about him before. Mm. Great to see him playing some consistent basketball. And Kieran Berry, there, 14 points and, and eight rebounds. Uh, sorry, eight assists. You know, that's just excellent return from yeah, from an Aussie point guard um, going up against Jackson Hussey, who's, you know, probably someone that he should be looking at and going, that's the guy I want to be ahead of in a couple of years' time. Yeah, for sure. The close one of the night was at Willardon Basketball Stadium. The Tigers... 80 beat the Goldfields Giants 77. Yeah, and just too much Damien Scott by the looks of things in this game for um, as he is for everyone in the league. He's such a tough cover. His work rate is so high and he scores in a variety of ways and showed his all-round game there with 10 rebounds, 6 assists and 6 deals. That's a 20-10, um, 5-5 you know, five five game is very rare and uh, he's done it right there. Yeah, and he hit the three-pointer that put them ahead late in the game as well, which ended up winning the game. So, big game from There you go. Last one. We've talked about this game a bit earlier, but just your brief thoughts. Lakeside Lightning 75 over the Calamandra Eastern Suns, 57. Hit one of our goals when we had a chat to, to Dave Daniels before the game. He said that one of their goals is to get up 53s uh, in a game, and I think they had just got up 30-odd 30, 30 in the first mm-hmm. quarter or first half, um, and we held them to 49 for the game. So <laughs> okay. um, we managed to keep them under 53-point attempts, which is um, quite good for us. Really impressed with Andrew Ferguson. Not only did he sort of show his, his um, versatility in being able to step out, but he you know, provided him that inside presence and, and dominated the rebound count as well. So um, and good support there from Ryan McKenzie. And on Sunday, this was a really good game. You obviously watched it closely, and I was, I was there as well. The Coburn Cougars, 94, beat the Goldfields Giants, 88. Yeah, and any time you're getting two guys almost getting a triple-double, you know, Gav Field, four assists off, and Luke Travers, um, two assists off a triple-double. And great to see Kai Chamberlain um, really grabbing his opportunity, sent him a message after the game and you know, told him how proud I was of him to see him being able to deliver on this this stage. So, um, yeah, the Cougars are definitely on a roll and will be a bit of a handful for us this weekend. Just quickly before we wrap up, we'll go through the standings now after four weeks. The top four, we've got the Perry Lakes Hawks 6-1, and Junilup Wolves 5-1, and Lakeside Lightning 5-1, and and the Warwick Senators 4-1. and Then just outside, Perth Redbacks 5-2, and Rockingham Flames 4-2, and Willardham Tigers 3-3, three and three, Coburn Cougars 3-3, three and three, the Goldfields Giants 2-4, and four, East Perth Eagles 2-5, and five, Southwest Slammers 1-4, and four, the Calamundra Eastern Suns 1 and 5, Mandarin Magic 1 and 5, and the Geraldine Buccaneers 1 and 6. What do you make of off the table right now? 
Yeah, and look, I think it's starting to sort itself out. Probably you could chuck those top uh, top six teams in together. I know the yeah, top four so. are going to make the finals, but you know, they're the ones that are sort of starting to separate themselves and have probably got the most depth of the of the teams that are in, in the competition. Yeah, as I was looking at this before, we sort of do have a pretty clear delineation like if you were to take those i know we've only got four in the um in the the, the, the playoffs but if you were to sort of make it a top six uh yep. give the you know the, the top two that first round by those other two play in then if you were to take the next four teams tigers coburn goldfields and east perth they're all around the same record if they were to be able to have like a little playing tournament a little tournament on the on the same weekend um, and then take the bottom four teams. You've sort of got everyone involved in postseason play. And again, we have been starved of games. We're in a situation now where restrictions are being lifted, and stadiums are probably available, and and things like that. I just think you know, just adding another layer of um, what we can do here, and 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 giving teams another chance to you know maybe get an extra two or three games um, at the end of the year, given given where we're at. Um, but yeah, look, I think you know that top anyone in that top six now probably going to make a bit of a run for it, and the rest of the teams, yeah, again, it's sort of focusing on where you want to be for next year and, and who's going to be there um, when it all sort of comes to fruition. Making a good point. I'm sure every one of those teams would be happy to play play on that weekend and play against the teams around them. So I wonder if there is a way to make it happen. We've still got time to sort something out. So if anyone yeah, at the head office is listening, maybe we can, can sort something out. Yeah, I mean, I know that uh, the teams have probably haven't done it for a while, but you know, you know, just the way it's breaking this year, you've got you've got Mandra, Sour Slammers, Bucks, and Goldfields, who are all mm. you know the country team. Is there a way to include them in Country Week so that there's not an extra sure. cost if those guys were already going to come down, have that SBL competition um, as part of Country Week, and then you could have those remaining uh, Metro teams play in that little. You know, it could, it could even be uh, across two venues. You have three teams in one and three in the other, and and you play each other on the weekend, and those the top ten here. Yeah, whatever it is, but I just think um, given where we are now and, and the way things are going for us over here in the West, there's an opportunity for us to play more basketball. We should be looking at it. Yeah, I think there would be a lot, of, a lot of support for that. So, yeah, we'll wait and see. But let's keep moving on SBL Shootaround. When we come back, we'll speak to Corey Easley about his life in basketball and beyond. Okay, back here on SBR Street Around and really looking forward to our guest for this week, Ben. He's somebody who has been in the league for a long time. I'm fascinated to talk about that whole journey with him, to come out as an import and to then end up staying for as long as he has. And I don't want to put words into his mouth, but now to probably call call Perth home, at least in the in the in the short to medium term. So Corey Easley, we've got a lot to get through on this week's SBR Street Around. So thanks for joining us. How do how do we find you this evening? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I've been here quite a long time. I've been playing in the league for quite a long time as well. And you're still going well. You're still playing well. Still playing out at the Calamander Eastern Suns and and being really now the veteran on a very young team. You're obviously still enjoying it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, the whole team building aspect. Um, just being a part of a team, obviously, is you know the most fun of you know the most entertaining part of just playing every season and you know the grind the ins and outs and just trying to get better even at 37 years old you know mm-hmm. um like? yeah so uh, yeah no sorry yeah. um you've spent your whole career just about in the sbl playing against teams coached by ben etridge and i'm sure there was pro- at some point because there has been with everybody there was a love-hate relationship there what's it been like <laughs> welcoming me welcoming him into your into your club this year 
Yeah, um, definitely. I think, you know, it's funny because, you know, with the SBL, it can be very, I don't know, um, I don't know how to say it without being critical, but um, you just kind of get pegged a certain way by certain Mm -hmm. people and it just kind of sticks. And yeah, I I mean, I found that out in my career and I'm sure Ben's figured that out. I think it's a WA thing, really. I don't know. Um, But yeah, it can be. We just like to bring anyone down that has success. Well, it's just, yeah, it's just, um, it kind of gets difficult when, you know, certain people think a certain way without even ever talking to you. So that's, you know, that's the most frustrating part, I guess, uh, about that. But yeah, we've, we've had plenty of um, battles as, as you would say, um, through the years. Um, Yeah, so definitely um, a different kind of aspect, but what Ben is bringing to, you know, the club at Kalamunda has been awesome. Um, you know, just the analytical side of it, which, you know, I've dabbled in, I know all about, but, um, Ben's really expounded upon it and really brought it to the guys in, you know, just the, the detail, um, to the game is, you know, something that definitely has been a plus for all of us. Yeah. I guess the, the same thing goes for me. Um, you know, always sort of knew, what uh, what Corey was going to bring to the table as far as a player, but um, again, sitting in a room, being around him at practice, being around him um, when he's with the boys, he he definitely does bring a, a huge amount of experience. And as I uh, said uh, a couple of times to to Mark, I really see uh, a future for Corey in this league as a as a coach. I, I love the way he communicates and and his his brain, the way he thinks through the game, is um is is second to none. So is that you know, something that you would look at as, as a potential for you moving forward, Corey? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess I did do some coaching in the States just at a high school level, like when I was going back and forth early on in my SBL career. Um, and it's something that I've always liked doing. I, I coach in the PSA, coach for Guilford Grammar, um, their first team there. So coaching is definitely, you know, on the list of, of things that, um, I enjoy, uh, my dad was a coach. So, um, I think that's part partly where I get it from. Um, so yeah, definitely something that, uh, definitely look into more, um, as you know, we head toward the, the 18th hole here. Um, so yeah, definitely. Obviously you said there, your dad was a, was a coach and you've grown up in, uh, in Minnesota and, and gone through high school and, and all that there. And then, you know, what was that journey like from Minnesota to, to a division one school like the University of Montana? How did that happen? And, and, you know, were you a, a prize recruit for, for them? And, and was it something that was sort of on your, on your radar, um, growing up? Yeah. So <laughs> growing up, I was always, you know, the, the biggest, the tallest kid on every single team, um, you know, and with that, you know, goes with, you know, the kind of stereotypes as a big kid, like <laughs> you got to get your feet under your first and then you got to catch the ball and you got, you know, you play with different guards and they, you know, pass you the ball different ways. And you just got used to uh, catching the ball and, you know, finishing and things like that. And then as you, as I got older, like my goal was always to play division one basketball, um, Luckily, my dad, um, who still coaches today, he coaches freshman basketball at a high school in Minnesota still. Um, so he's still coaching, but he used to run a summer league 
um, just like got all like the local high school guys together. We, you know, made up teams about six or seven teams and we'd play on the weekends, just like in different time slots, you know, we'd have, um, even a kit, um, a team from like the, that was like a 20 minutes away from the city would come down and play just outside outdoor courts. Like we kept stats, like general stats and scoreboard and everything. But I would play with, you know, these high school players as like a, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh grader. Um, and they were physically like bigger and stronger and faster and everything. So I had to learn how to play. You know, I think that helped a lot because I had to learn how to play with guys that were obviously better than me, but I, you know, I had to, you know, I had to hold my own against, against those guys. So, you know, you learn how to pass the ball, you know, learn how to, where to, where to stand, where to be, um, and just kind of think the game rather than trying to do it physically. Um, and then obviously, um, getting into high school, um, quite interesting story. Like my freshman year, I, uh, got moved up, played sophomore basketball um as they call it and they called it b squad but it's called basically sophomore basketball um and then my sophomore year um they wanted me to play sophomore again which was a big blow to my whole idea because i thought i would be playing varsity at that point um so after my sophomore year i transferred high schools to a different high school and then i ended up uh you know playing playing there going all conference my junior year and then hitting the AAU circuit um, that summer with a really good um, AAU team called Howard Pulley. Um, and with that, Kate started coming, you know, scholarship offers. So um, just from one summer of playing summer basketball against, you know, the top um, kids in the country. So um, my senior year or before my senior year, I signed my letter of intent because I didn't want to have that, um, pressure or not necessarily pressure but i want to have that responsibility to having to go out there and trying to earn a scholarship for my team i wanted to be i just wanted to win like that was the main goal i didn't want to be like it wasn't like guys throwing the ball like 20 times because i need to get a scholarship it was more like um i want to try to do whatever it takes to win i didn't want that to be um a hindrance on our success as a team so i signed early i signed to the university of montana as a um in the in the summer in the fall um before my senior year and with that i mean i was third team all state i was second team or first team all metro defense averaged like five and a half blocks my senior year i uh, voted second best <laughs> i finished second in the voting for the best defensive player in the state um so i would say i i was a decent recruit um, I was yep. recruited by, uh, f- you know, eight or nine Division One schools, uh, tons of D two schools, and but like you know, they would always say like, if you decide to go D two, um, you know, choose us. And I was like, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not going that route. <laughs> like that was my goal from um, day one. It was mostly because you know a lot of people just said that you that I couldn't do it. You know, I was, wasn't strong enough, didn't play tough enough or this or that or whatever it was. I mean, there was way more people telling me that I couldn't than there were that I, that said I could. So. And then from there, like your, 
you end up you you go through your your, your college career and and the opportunity to come come to Australia. How did that um, how did that eventuate? Was it was that on the radar, or were you thinking Oof, that yeah. <laughs> Europe, or is it going to be is it going to be you know the, the NBA? Like what was the what was the next step for Corey after the University of Montana? Yeah, well, I mean, the whole college thing was a uh, experience <laughs> to say the least. Um, right. So I redshirted my first year um, mainly because they recruited like five. We had like. Five freshmen come in, but they already had basically twelve guys on the team, so there was no way we weren't going to redshirt. They redshirted all of us. Okay. Um, so I knew coming in like that was just basically you know a year to get stronger, get used to the program, get used to the speed because that was the biggest difference. Um, just the speed and athleticism of everyone, you know, because you go from being the best player on your team, being one of the best players in your state, to you know you go to a division one team and you know, everyone on that team was the best player on their team in high school. So yeah, you know, yeah. everything resets and changes and things like that. So, um, and then after my, we went to the tournament, my redshirt freshman year, um, we played, uh, Oregon when they had Luke Ridenauer, Chris Christopherson, who I ended up playing against in SVL, um, oh, yeah, Fred yeah. Jones, <laughs> um, Luke Jackson. Um, so, I had some NBA players on that team. Uh, and then then our coach got fired. So <laughs> we went to the tournament, and I, the coach that basically recruited me, or the coaching staff that recruited me, got got fired. Um, they brought in a new coach because they were trying to capitalize on our tournament run because it was – we ended up, I think, finishing like sixth in the conference, and when we ended up winning a conference tournament. So we weren't supposed to make the tournament. So they were trying to capitalize on that. They brought in a coach named Pat Kennedy, who coached at uh, Florida State. He took them to the Elite Eight back when they had, you know, Brett. Um, Sam Cassell? Uh, um, Was that that one? Charlie Ward, yeah. Charlie Ward, yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, um, so he went to the Elite Eight with them. And then he was at DePaul with uh, Quentin Richardson. And he recruited Eddie Curry. But Eddie Curry ended up going to the NBA, obviously. Um, yep. Didn't work out there, um, partly because of that. Um, and then, so he ended up at Mont. They brought him in to coach Montana. So, you know, we get this big name head coach. He comes in. We're, I mean, we're scheduling teams. You know, we're playing Auburn in non-conference. We're playing. We're going like all over the country. You know, played a Great Alaska Shootout. We're on ESPN playing Michigan State. Um, so we're getting a lot of opportunities. You know, we played Stanford. We ended up being Stanford that year. That's when the Josh Childress was on that team. So, you know, we're getting on these opportunities. We weren't a very good team. We, I mean, we shocked Stanford, but that was probably, you know, our biggest win of the season. But, um, and as a freshman, I was playing, I wasn't playing very much. I was playing, but I was like maybe the third or fourth big in rotation, you know. Um, and he was a very different minded head coach than the previous coach that we had. Um, in that he was very offensive oriented. Our, our coach before that was, you know, run off the shot clock and take a shot with like the last three seconds, you know, just very slow paced. And then yeah, Pat Kennedy came in and was very, um, the opposite, I would say. And then, um, so after my freshman year, I actually had a discussion with him, with the coaching staff about, 
my future. So, you know, at the end of every year, you know, they bring in, they ask you a bunch of questions. Where do you think you are? Blah, blah, blah. This is where we see you. Um, and he asked me, he's like, look, we kind of have a log jam at your position. Do you want, do you want my help? I can get you into, you know, you can either stay we're happy to have you stay or you can, you know, you can battle it out or you can, I can help you get into a junior college, you know, a really good junior college in like the Jayhawk conference in Kansas um, or a school in Missouri. I believe he was talking about. And then he's like, basically what would happen is I'd go play Juco for a year and then, you know, I'd get picked up by another D1 school yep. because I've already had D1 experience. So it wasn't like my grades were a problem or anything like that. And I was like, nah, I'll just stick it out. And, you know, my sophomore year started and um, it was more of the same, but I was playing a little bit more and gradually got to the point where about halfway through the season, I started the last, you know, 13 games, 12 or 13 games of my sophomore year. So I was pretty happy with that progression, obviously. Um, And I think that's something that, you know, young players that go to America need to start thinking about like that, that progression. Cause schools look at it as like a, um, I guess, yeah, a four year deal. It's not just like a yep. one year deal. Um, yep. so yeah, so my sophomore year ended and then Pat Kennedy, I think he resigned or got fired. I think he resigned. He resigned okay. because there was, there was some issues with, with some money there. Right. <laughs> um, just, like overspending on recruiting. Cause we had guys from like, we had some guys from Florida. We had a guy from Pennsylvania. Like that's not normal for like a mid major. Like usually we got a lot of guys from California, Washington, like as far East as we went was Minnesota. And, you know, we never went like Florida or, you know, Northeast. Right. So like coaches were flying out there to visit these players and that, and this and that. So the AD ended up getting fired. Um, or resigning and he was really close with the AD because they both came from Florida State so um, he ended up leaving so now it's like the same situation again you know I'm in kind of limbo Um, and then we got a new coach it was Larry Kostowiak who now coached at the University of Utah Um, uh, he's a former NBA player he played with Magic and the Bulls Um, Bill Jackson disciple um, well and truly um, triangle offense, mm-hmm. um, every, everything that goes into that. Um, and yeah, so my junior year was very interesting. Uh, assistant coach as well was Wayne Tinkle, who is now coaching at Oregon state. Mm. Um, so, you know, we had a really good coaching staff. Um, I don't know if, if, uh, coach Kristoviak approved. Um, really appreciated the fact that I liked shooting threes at all from the four spot or the five spot. Um, so which I played, I played basically four and five, um, interchangeably, but, um, yeah, I remember him asking me like, um, what position I played when he was watching one of our scrimmages. <laughs> so I could four. Um, but anyway, um, long, long story short, I mean, my junior year, I, I, Started like six games, but I, I played about 20 minutes a game. So I was the first guy off the bench. And we ended up going to the tournament that year as well. And we played Washington. We played against Brandon Roy and Nate Robinson um, in the first round. We gave them a run for their money. Um, came up a little bit short. 
obviously as a 15 seed, I don't think anyone was giving us too much of a chance, <laughs> but um, yeah. um, it was, it was really, you know, an experience playing on, on that stage and, um, you know, getting an opportunity to, to play against those guys and things like that. But um, after my junior year, um, I decided to transfer again because I just didn't, I didn't think I, I thought I should have probably been starting and playing more um, in hindsight. Um, I don't know. So I decided to transfer. And then as my, as it was my senior year, I couldn't transfer D one at that point because there was no, um, uh, okay. There was no free transfer like they do now, so you have yep. to sit out yep. a, sit out a year if you transfer D one to D one. So then I went. Okay. I finished up at D two school at Minnesota State Mankato, in which we were really successful. I think we were like twenty six and six, twenty six and seven. Um, ended up losing to the eventual uh, national champion in Winona State um, in the Sweet Sixteen of the D two national tournament. So. Um, well, and truly, I got three rings out of the deal. I had what four coaches in five years, so that's not ideal. Um, but definitely, you know, got a wealth of experience in different strategies and how to play and things like that. Um, you know, just the grind of, you know, just college basketball in general, I think helps me play still today. And I think... Um, uh, as soon as I got done, like my goal, my goal, my goal in college was always to play professionally, whether that was overseas or wherever, I didn't care. Um, so then I just started looking at, you know, what my next move was, you know, obviously um, looked at D league at the time. So I was, you know, trying out there. I actually had to try out with the Iowa energy. I believe they were called at the time, which Nick nurse was the coach. So <laughs> there oh, you wow. go. Um, yeah. So, and then I ended up in Germany and then played, played a whole season in Germany and um, just North of Hamburg. And that was, you know, a whole new experience for me because I had never left the country before. So, um, you know, culture shock, um, I learned a new language. I was there for about eight months um, and really learned about the kind of overseas experience, like how, ready you need to be immediately like there's no there's no waiting like you need to be passport ready like you get an email you know two days before you fly out so you, you gotta be like ready to go like because these things happen uh, really fast as you know it, when you're playing overseas so um i learned about that real quick and then you know australia was always one of those places that i wanted to play but i didn't really know how to facilitate that or get there how that was going to work out but um eventually after germany um i played in um a few other places and i played in um, bahrain and i was in quebec city of all places playing in the aba and i was just doing the grind so i was like on euro basket sending um film out to coaches agents blah 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 and um yeah. ran into an agent that had contacts in australia uh ended up in at coburn cj jackson uh, brought me over um yeah so it was it's, it's a very crazy kind of world <laughs> when you think about it um it's very ad hoc and kind of messy but um yeah that's basically how i got to australia um yeah it's 
just yeah, crazy times. It's a, it's amazing how much CJ Jackson keeps coming up with all of our guests on on this show. He's got a, <laughs> he's got a connection to everybody in in one way or another. Um, what was it? What was it that he told you about Coburn or the SBL that that had you sold? I just wanted to play. So basically, because the SBL was you know, ran in like the off season of basically Europe. So it's a good way to earn money year round. So if you want to play, you play, basically play SBL and then you go back to Europe and things like that. Unfortunately for me, my first year out here, I obtained my ACL 12 games after on um, 12 game for Coburn. So like we were, yeah, yeah, there you go. 13. So, um, we were, um, you know, playing very well. I think we were like in second, or second or third. We're in the top half of the, yeah. the competition, and yeah, I ended up tearing my ACL, which was unfortunate. Uh, the whole situation was unfortunate. I think I hyperextended my knee like two games before that, and I was just mm-hmm. like, I'm not want like I've never knock on wood <laughs> been injured other than that. Mm-hmm. So like it was yeah. just like trying to battle back, and like I was like, oh, you know, I'm. I'm okay. Um, like good enough. To, like I didn't want to, you know, when you're in that situation, you don't want to be like the guy that just like doesn't play. So it's like, Especially I think I, I, yeah, exactly. And I missed one game and then I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to play next week. And it was one of those nights. It was a weird night. I know Ben, you probably know it, but we were at Coburn and it was one of those night weird hum- humid days where it was like, yeah. the court was like super slippery. Yep, get like it was yep. it was insanely slippery like girls game like people are going down all over the place um yep. and then you know we start and you know dudes are like just like there's nothing you could do it was like an ice rink it was so weird so it's just like a weird kind of weird situation so you know the way you run and the way you move is a little bit differently like you're kind of on your toes you hit i don't know but you walk in timidly and things like that and i remember we were playing the redbacks and uh one of their players was like he's like this is like the middle of the game like he's like oh man this is crazy that we're we're playing he's like if i if i were you i wouldn't be playing and all this other wow. stuff and i was like yeah yeah funny haha and he's like yeah everyone <laughs> gets hurt hurt tonight i would like sue the league and all this other mm-hmm. stuff and i was like like whatever like you're playing a game like it was mm-hmm. like crazy that it was happening but at the same time you're not thinking worst possible situation mm-hmm. of course um it was a rebound situation. The ball got like tipped up. I think it was the other import was Harris for Redbacks. He was a tall, skinny um, post guy as well. But anyway, the ball got like tipped up. Like we were both going for it. It went like back up in the air. So I came down. Then I went back up, got the rebound, like threw it out to Trent Jarevich, who was our point guard at the time, like in the air. And I threw it to him. And then when I came down, I just, my knee just felt like, the worst thing i ever felt in my life and it was like yeah um so i was like down for like i don't know what felt like um just a few minutes and i got up they walked me in the sideline and i was kind of like trying to like feel it out and was like oh i don't know maybe i'm okay because it's like you just don't yeah. know how to play you know it's a positive thing anyway and then you know i went to they ended up taking me to the hospital went to the hospital of course 
they are inconclusive with everything because they're not going to do an MRI there. It's what? It's like Friday, Saturday night at Frio Hospital at 1030 yep. at night. Like, <laughs> not not the most ideal situation. No. Um, and you got, you know, junior doctors and whatever, and they're like, well, it's a soft tissue injury, but, you know, we don't have anything conclusive to to say and i'm like you know uh you know i'm thinking maybe i'm okay you know maybe if a couple weeks i'll be back but like my knee doesn't feel right like it feels like there's like something in it so end up going to see the free man all doctors doctor at the time and basically sitting in the waiting room like i had to wait a while like half an hour 45 minutes just thinking about this whole thing and i go in and see him tells me to sit on the table he does a lockman's test in like five seconds he's like acl wow. yep. so you know you're sitting there waiting like dreading this moment and then he tells you and like there's he just does this one test and it was like 10 seconds and it was done you know so that was probably one of the toughest moments of my career um just the whirlwind of like emotions like you're away from home like your family's not there like it's it's just a tough situation to be in so i tore my acl he said that he'd get me in to see the doctor like coburn was awesome during this whole thing um you know i was really lucky to be at a club that really looked after me and did the right thing and you know got my surgery done here at a private private hospital because i had to have private health care and stuff so um Got my knee done by Dr. Holt, um, one of the okay. one of the best best in the business here. So basically, had a hamstring tendon graft that was all done and dusted, and yeah, I ended up staying on with you know until the end of the season. So I was you know doing like court management um, and different things and rehabbing as well while I was here. Um, so basically, the first three months of my rehab and recovery was done in Perth after the season. So, um, like I said, I couldn't ask for a better situation because Coburn, you know, stuck to the contract, you know, obviously I did some work for the club as well, but I mean, they didn't have to do that. They could have just sent me home, which we've, we've seen a few times with certain situations. So yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better situation. I didn't go home until September and I just battled back. So then I was at home, I was working with, um, the Timberwolves physio, as you can imagine, could be pretty expensive. So I was paying like a hundred dollars, hundred fifty dollars just to see him for, you know, an hour um and it got to the point where he kind of worked worked out <laughs> he worked out a deal for me where he was like look i understand that you know it's really expensive so how about i i write you up a program you can come in here and use all our stuff like i i won't just i won't be like one-on-one with you the whole time but like if you have a question like i'm here and so i could still go and use like the facility and stuff and you know get the proper care and rehab the way i needed to to get back and um paddled back and um about seven months later i was back in at wa playing for calamunda yeah I mean, um, and you know you know with across the board were up on the previous season so i mean you obviously must have felt pretty good pretty quickly when you did come back yeah, I mean, I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell you now. There were some games where my knee <laughs> was like, oh, it's like screaming at me, and I was like, oh, like double headers. Like yeah. even coming back to Kalamunda, like the physio up there, really in the initial stages, really got helped me with my. It was the mental stuff, the mental hurdles, and like we were doing like crazy stuff, like jumping off 
chairs and jumping on trampolines like one legged and stuff like that you just have to like get over um yep. and those are that's the hardest thing is just kind of blocking that out and like physically you're fine but yeah you're just nervous about it and that's probably yeah. the hardest part and i don't think i was i wasn't 100 percent when i came came back i don't believe but that next season um i was 100% for sure. I think it takes definitely, you have to play that that first year to kind of get your mental right. And then that following year, you're, you're fine. But I think it does take a little bit of adjustment period. So yeah, after that. Yeah, no, go. I was just going to say after that, you know, that Calamanda season, um, which we did make the, the remarkable run to the playoffs. Yeah. I think we won like 11 over the last 12 or something crazy like that to get in the eight spot. We have a ragtag group. Um, I mean, we had, I came out and then another import came out and then they sent one of our imports home. They sent the other guy home and then they brought up the import they had the previous season, Joe Nixon, who was a knockdown, like deadly shooter, but he had back issues and I don't think he didn't make it through the season. Um, even in a shortened stint cause he got brought out late. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was tough on our team, but we rallied together and, you know, got to the, Got to the playoffs, which was a success story in its own right. Have a look at your next ten years. It's it's remarkable the journey that you've had. You you went for a season up at Ipswich in the in the QBL, then you yep. came back. Two years at East Perth, two years at Perry Lakes, a season at Wilton, yep. a season at the Slammers, two seasons back at East Perth, and and now you've been back at Kalamunda for the last two years. It's been a hell of a ride. Yeah, for sure. And it's, you know, everyone like like likes to talk about, you know, loyalty and all this other stuff. But it's like as an import, like you don't really have a choice. You you go where you where you want it, you know? Yep. Um, and like just the advice that I try to give other imports when they come out is just, you know, be around the club, do the ex you know, do the other stuff, like be amendable to everyone and you know, try to do as much as you can while you're there because it just it helps build those relationships and it will extend your career for sure. I think, you know, I when I was at Coburn, I did a lot of stuff for the club. Like I was doing uh, the tour around the primary schools, doing the lessons um, that was built in to our contract. But then I was coaching, help coaching under 12s. I think Reese Vag was on that team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was oh, under yeah. 12. You know, I was, you know doing the camps and stuff like that. I did come on the camp when I was there coaching as well in the primary schools and I actually ran Calamundas camp when I was, I came back after the year at, in Queensland. So, yep. you know, I had that relationship with the club and yeah, it was, it was really good. And I, I think that's the most important thing is just trying to build those res- relationships with the people that are with you every day and they, they know who you are. So, um, you know, people can say, what they want like we talked about earlier but at the end of the day those people know what kind of person you are and they can you know say talk about your integrity and things like that so uh, i think that's really important when you come out here yeah i guess looking at at it you know you look at the i judge imports by would you ever would you have them back to your club and you know two of the first clubs you're at calamunda and east perth you've, you've gone and done return service there and mm. i know when i was at east perth they spoke of you very highly and Mark you know, was one of the first things he said is, you know, we've got Corey back because the club loves him and he does the right things around the club and he's always visible and he does those little extra things that tend to, you know, if, he, if he's got to be at an under-12s game, he's there on time. He's not rocking in five minutes late on his phone. He's doing all those things that tick the boxes, which 
you talk about loyalty, that's being loyal to the people you're with at the time and those are the things that people essentially end up you know, judging you on is are you doing the right things and, and, and fulfilling your requirements as an import and you know, to, to get to be back at two clubs with such a time span in between just sort of shows you know, you, you're doing all the right things that people would, would welcome you back at any stage. So that's a, that's a credit to yourself. Yeah, I think it's just important to be, I mean, you, you're brought over here to be a professional, so be a professional, you know, I think that, I think that's, that's the key. Um, yeah. With, with those things. So. so one of the things I say is there's a difference between being a professional and, and professionalism. And that's the, mm-hmm. sometimes when guys come out and they start to get that first paycheck, that paycheck, they think they're a professional. It's no, no, no. Right. You, you're just getting paid. There's professionalism, which is everything else that. Yeah, the paycheck is at the end of the day, but everything else you do, like you say, you, you rehabbed yourself, you did all the right things, the club was looking after you, that's professionalism. You know, you could have done your knee, jumped on a plane, flown home or whatever, Corey easily never back in Australia, but because you stuck around, did all the right things, you developed that reputation of as a good guy that's going to do the right thing by the club. So professional and professionalism, two different things. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I agree with that. Now, um, your yep. consistency over your career has been remarkable as well. But, you know, some teams you've been on have been championship contenders. Some of them have been, you know, down towards the bottom of the ladder. Have you, have you had a favourite season? If you had to pick one season <laughs> out that was your favourite, is there, is there one that comes to mind? Oh, favourite season. Oh, that's tough. Well, like early on in my career, I don't think I missed the playoffs. I don't think I missed the playoffs until um, – I don't think we missed play- I missed playoffs until the Slammer season. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. Because um, that East Perth yeah. team you were part of was a strong team. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we made the grand final that year. I think yeah. we we overachieved. Um, I think that was well and truly the case. But I think mm. we were a good a good knit team, and we we had had some you know, we had some dogs on that team that could play. So obviously when you have, you know, Tom Jervis and, you know, the likes of, you know, Jared Balcom and guys like Nicola Donlogic, you know, the guys that are just gritty and, um, you know, will, you know, do anything to win. Um, I think, you know, we ended up beating, we beat Wanneroo in the semis, I believe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yep. We, we got over the grind of, of that. So, um, that was that was an awesome season, and the the frustrating thing was with that whole grand final thing being the one game, mm. and we beat Coburn that year by twenty, I think, both times or something, something like that, where we just had convincing wins against them both both games during the regular season. And that first quarter, they came out guns blazing, like boom, 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 and it was it was over in the first quarter, like it was just like whirlwinds, like you know, they came out just. <laughs> punched us in the mouth and we just couldn't buy a shot after that and it was that was ball game so that was the grand final for for me um so not tons of grand final appearances but um some crazy playoff battles like when i was at perry lakes we played mandra i feel like we played mandra like 18 times that one year um that was when we had Sean Dennis and then Knicks yeah. took over halfway through. Um, that was a fun, fun team. Definitely. I think that was probably one of the most fun years. Um, just having Sean there was, was a breath of fresh air. And then that, the way that all eventuated was, was interesting as well. Um, and just being on a team with like Adrian Masterovich, who I've played with at the Suns as well. 
um, who also gets kind of like a, a weird rap as well. So it's like, um, yeah, just playing with guys like that, playing with Michael Lay as a point guard um, was a lot of fun as well. And just having me, yeah, yeah, just, you know, having that support from your coach and, you know, just being able to play your game and not, you know, there's not too much, like he wasn't like a taskmaster master or anything. He was just like, look, you guys have a responsibility to the team, get yourself, you know, shape and do things that you need to do. Um, like when we come to practice, we work on, you know, we're going to come here and get better. You know, um, I've yep. had, you know, very differing, you know, kind of approaches to all that throughout the years. And, you know, every coach is different and everyone has their own kind of ways of looking at it. But I think that's probably um, one of the reasons why I've been able to extend my career is because coaches like Coach Utley, who, allow me to, you know, if I have, you know, a kid thing going on, you know, my wife's like, you're doing too much, like take a night off or we got to do this. Like he does, that's fine. Like, I'm not going to be punished for it. Like I've, I've had coaches in the past where if you miss practice, you're not starting or this or that and things like that. And it's like, all right, well, let's, yeah, I don't know. depends on how you look at it, but I think, um, as a veteran, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, I tried to bring, um, you know, the same professionalism I brought when I first came out here to the teams, you know, that I've been on, um, even when I wasn't necessarily the import, um, per se. So, um, I think, I think that's important and, you know, looking after your players and, um, yeah, having that, that respect and that, um, understanding of where, where everyone's at and not just certain, certain guys. So. I'm glad you mentioned your wife just there. I believe you met when you came out to Australia. And how how happy are you with the life that you've been able to build with her and yeah, yeah, and that, um, your kids? Yeah, it's been it's been crazy. I mean, we um, basically got engaged when I was in Ipswich. Yep. Um, she actually moved over and stayed with me when I was over there. So, um, you know, the club was nice enough to let us, you know live out there um while we were out there and then we got engaged out there and came back and i had my daughter um when i was at east perth and yeah so it's it's been crazy you know i didn't expect i would live in australia Mm -hmm. um i think everyone that kind of knows me (laughs) will chuckle at that but um yeah i didn't expect that at all and you know it's been um you know the way it's it's panned out i just yeah it's so unexpected uh you know it's i couldn't ask for a better situation now i'll follow you on social media as well and everything is football related and fantasy football how how does that be how has that become such a big part of your life uh just i think it's even more so like just growing up in the states like football's like probably no, well, it is. It was the number one sport, just oh, as far oh, as nice. like, yeah. yeah. Was there as ever, far as coverage? Uh, time when was there ever a time when you were thinking that was where you were uh, going? Like I've seen you throw some baseball, some uh, some touchdowns yeah. in practice. Like you got a big arm. Like is, uh, was that ever ever on the cards? <laughs> I always wanted to, Ben. I always wanted to. My dad, my dad played. Um, he right. was like, and he'd you know preach and preach and preach and preach about. It's not when someone gets hurt in football 
or sorry, it's yeah. not if, not it's, when. Yeah. it's when. It's yeah. when. Yeah. <laughs> so he was like, there's no chance. Like, he's like, you're not Bruh. messing up, like, your basketball stuff for football. And there was a time <laughs> um, one summer, I think it was my senior year, before my senior year, um, and I was like, I'm going to play football this year. And so, like, I was um, playing, like, doing, like, the, the summer stuff, like, just the seven-on-seven stuff. There's no no hitting. It's just, like passing yeah. league so i'm just like running routes against corners and safeties and you know i'm six i'm six eight <laughs> and like there's like these corners out there like five six <laughs> yeah. it's like i'm like man this is fun but i was like at, huh. you know at some point i didn't like you got to pay for stuff you got to pay for <laughs> cleats you got to pay for fees and i'm like my dad's like if you play football you're not like you're not allowed to like I'm going to take your car away. You're not going to drive anywhere huh. and stuff like that. I was like, all right, yeah, it's not worth it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I never played, but you know, it was always, it's always been a passion and you always watch it. Like every Sunday with my family was just, yep. it's just block it out. It's just football day. So yeah, okay. it's always been a passion of mine. Hey, are you glad you, you haven't lost it coming out to Australia? Are you glad you, that you've been able to keep such close, such close connection with, with football from here? Yeah, I mean, I think it's especially now that I have kids because they're obviously awake at certain hours, and yeah. with with NFL, like you get to watch it here, like it comes on at one in the morning, so it's just yeah. your your sleep that you sacrifice. So it's not like you're sacrificing time with the family or anything. Um, so like I'll go to bed at the same time my kids go to bed on on uh, Mondays or Sunday mm-hmm. Sunday nights, and then I'll wake up at you know, 12, 30 in the morning, just yeah. watch it through and then go to work and then go to bed early again <laughs> you know, on Tuesday. Um, but, um, around the Monday, but yeah, I think it's, it's actually worked out better because I can totally like lock in, focus on it. Um, I try to do, um, I'm doing a little bit of writing on it and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I do podcasts on it as well. So, um, I can lock in totally and yeah, I can, do that without sacrificing family time, which is, you know, obviously I, I spend a lot of time away with basketball and work in general as well. So, yeah. Does this feel like home now? Do you feel like you'll stay here even when you finish up, finish up playing? You're asking all the hard hitting questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes and no. Um, I, I think obviously with everything that's going on, um, as far as, you know, I don't want to get too political, but, um, mm. as far as everything's going on back home in the States and things like that, it's probably for the best. Sure. Um, as my kid, as my kids get older, I do kind of feel like I want them to experience, I guess, that high school life, um, in some capacity, um, especially my, my daughter's in a dance, so, um not too sure about that but my son he's you know he plays soccer he plays basketball so you know if he wants to take it more seriously if that's the case i think it's probably best that i find a way to get him to experience that and get that opportunity to play at that level and you know potentially maybe even if he's lucky enough um to get the opportunity to play at a higher level so um that's always in the back of my mind but yeah we'll see but you wouldn't stop him playing football if you wanted to play. Uh no, nah, he can't play. He can't play football. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> nah, I'm not gonna let him do that. Plus, his mom would never let him do that. Okay. So, okay. What the wife would, yeah, put a kibosh on that. So, real quick. <laughs> I don't really have uh, 
got much else. I was going to throw in the obligatory Mark Utley question, but yeah, you kind of painted him in a good light, so I won't. Um, <laughs> I, won't ask you your, I, won't, I won't ask you your favourite Mark Utley story unless you've got a good one you can share. I mean, I don't really have a good one. I mean, the bus trip last year to Kalgoorlie, uh, I think, you know, usually like you get on these bus trips and you like, you just like kind of go to sleep, you like sleep for a few hours, try to sleep anyway, and, yeah. you know, and do this and that. But like Mark, he loves doing like these quizzes and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so then like, you know, we're, we're playing these games like, um, we had like teams, so the guys that wanted to participate, it's like you have to name, you have to go through the whole alphabet and name SBL players, past SBL yep. players. Um, yep. If you lose, like you you get a point or whatever, you try to play the certain point. So we were doing this, man. We were doing this all the way up, you know, all the way up the couch. So it's like seven hours of this game. And it was just like crazy. And then when like after we're done with that, we're doing like car names, alphabet through the alphabet. We're doing, you know, everything. NBA players, alphabet. Um yep. yeah, so you know, he keeps it light, he keeps it keeps it fun. And yeah, it's still fun, you know, eleven years in of SBL games that I've played. So yeah, it's 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 been a, it's been a lot of fun uh, being in Kalmunda back at, back up the hill. Hmm. How would you rate last year's uh, road trip to Cal compared to this year's uh, road trip or road trip back from Kalgoorlie? <laughs> <laughs> a lot better, man. That was rough. Yeah, well, yeah, the whole missing keys situation, yeah, which we're one of the, actually I'm, missing. <laughs> yeah, I'm still, I still doubt. He keeps trying to explain that the keys were stuck in this between the seat somewhere and I've been in the back seat of that car <laughs> driving around it's like I can't see how keys would get stuck anywhere. I think they're in his pocket. And uh when he got out the, the in Meriden he realized they're in his pocket. So it wouldn't put a past him to, to make up a story like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. It was well, crazy. I, th- I think as always a Mark Utley discussion is a good way to, to wind things up. But it's been a hell of a lot of fun watching your career, Corey, it's now been a hell of a lot of fun to talk to you and, and have a chat about some of your journey. We could have easily touched on a whole other things and spent another hour talking about it, so we'll have to talk to you again another time about everything that we didn't touch on this time, but let's hope you keep playing for as long as you can and, and keep jack- jacking up those three balls and, and keep doing what you've been doing. So thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, and I just want to say, um, just for everyone, I, I do know how to post up. <laughs> <laughs> And there's still no, some athleticism in those in those legs. I think you're leading the team in block shots as well. So, oh, that that's normal. Coach. That's just timing, man. It's, just timing. <laughs> it's, the pack, it's the pack line. It's the pack line. Yeah, that's what it final is. Lead, yeah, final towards Corey. So, <laughs> appreciate it, guys. No problem. Anytime. Well, good, Matt. Thanks very much, Corey. Okay, back on SBL Shoot Around, and a lot of fun having a chat there to Corey Easley. Clearly, he's got a he's got a, a lot of stories to share. He's had a great basketball journey, but his life beyond that has been fascinating as well. So I can clearly see why. Now, this is your first chance to work with him, Ben. Why you two have clicked pretty pretty quickly? Yeah, look, as I said uh, before, we had a chat. He's just one of those guys that when he does talk, everyone in the room listens because he has 
he's got that demeanour, um, big easy. He just, you know, he's never demonstrative um, given, you know, his size, which he could easily be. And then his experience, he's always trying to get the best out of the guys and share his knowledge. And um, I, I actually look at Corey and say he would be a great uh, assistant coach, if not a, a head coach, given his demeanour and, and his knowledge of the game. So, um, you know, he might be around for another three or four years. Um, but I definitely think that that would be a pathway that would be great for him to follow in the future. Yeah, for sure. So let's keep moving. Round five now, we're already up to in the West Coast Classic. So it's going quickly and we've only got nine rounds, remember. So, yeah, every game now taking on extra significance if you're trying to break into that top four or hold your spot in the top four. So we've got four games first up on Friday night. And, again, this is the one I don't like. I don't like – I'm glad I don't have to make the trip down to Eden on a Friday night because it's, it's, it's a little bit tricky, but nevertheless – Southwest Slammers hosting the Lakeside Lightning. Yeah, I think uh, Lakeside are going to give that 53s in a game a real good shake. They haven't got yeah. it this season, um, and I think that might be on the card. So we'll, we'll check back or follow the live stats very closely on uh, Friday night to see how close they get. But, yeah, Lakeside will, will be all over this one. Now, this next one, Ad Molly Hagen's a good chance to see just how far the Coburn Cougars have improved. They host the Warwick Senators. Yeah, look, it's probably a lot closer than than we think, given if um, Saver and Jarrett are back. Um, you know, that starting five for, for Coburn are very, very good. Um, but what I will say is that um, Warwick are probably just that little bit better in each position. Um, you know, yeah, probably take out the Gav Field position. Um, they're, they're very, very closely matched. So I think uh, probably a bit hard for the Cougars to match up on everyone. Uh, whereas I think the Senators can match up on everyone from the Cougar, so I'll go with Warwick uh, in this one. Yeah, me too. And Colin Rowe must be getting close to coming back too, so that's a that's a massive addition to be able to add him back to a team that's already playing playing so well. Um, Most definitely, yep, yep. Then at Herb Graham Recreation Centre, tough game to tip. East Perth Eagles up against the Wollaton Tigers. Yeah, and look, other than um, the first game against us, which they pinched on the buzzer, uh, I think the Tiger, you know, again, it's very close. Um, Shaq versus Damien Scott. You've got two guys who are just tearing the league apart given their style of play. Um, I, I think just given that, um, you know, the, the big game delivery of, of Damien Scott, I'll say this one's going to come down to the wire. And for the third week in a row, Damien Scott's going to do something at the end of the game that's going to get him over the line. Um, although, you know, East Perth, they do have that uh, ability to, to hang around and scrap and fight. But I just think that the Tigers will get this one down very, very closely. Yeah, I think the Tigers for me as well. As I said before, they're, they're so close to being undefeated right now this season. They've been playing really well. So I, th- I think they'll take this one. Um, last up, um, clearly the game, game of the night at least, if not the game of the round, the Prairie Lakes Hawks hosting the Rockingham Flames. Yeah, and um, a, a good one here in the fact that I think they're, they're opposites in the way they match up. So, um, you know, I think you know Jackson Hussey's got the advantage there at the point guard, although Mitch Clark is, is very, very serviceable. Um, it's going to be a tough cover for Dernan, um, trying to match up on, you know, a Ben Purser, uh, and then Buff Godfrey and and um, and and his matchup with um, the, the Hawks sort of guards. Um, yeah. Kassir, yeah, Rob Kassir and um, Ryan Smith, you know. Yeah, um, yeah very close. Uh, probably a battle of the boards for me, even though they don't have 
of those true bigs, and I think um, the Hawks rebounding will sort of come out um, just the, the way they rebound and, and, and defenders five, I think, will get them off the line. Just because we have one, one different on Friday night, I'll go for the Flames. Oh, thank you. Give you a chance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Saturday night, Gerald and Buccaneers, they get to stay home two weeks in a row. Interesting game too against the Mandurah Magic. Yeah, look, you know, it's you, you never ever want to tip against the Bucks up there, um, and I think you know it'd be very very weird feeling for them to lose two in a row. Um, so maybe you know the, the the four weeks on the road to start the season um, took its toll last weekend. Probably you know, they'd be eyeing this one as a chance. Um, you know. Although uh, Traher's going back to coach against his old team, you'd know Ralphie and, and Wonders sort of inside out. Um, so, but you know, even though that's there, I still think the Bucks at home is very, very tough. So, um, I'll take the Bucks in that one. Yeah, it doesn't sit well with me to tip against the Bucks at home, but I just struggle to see where they're going to find enough points. If unless it's Ralphie put, doing something remarkable again as he is capable of, I just don't know if they can put up enough points. So, based on that, I'm going to. Going to go with the, ma- the Mandra Magic. Next up, yeah, Oldfield Giants. Yeah. Giants back home. Interesting one because they've been playing really well and they haven't lost at home yet. They host the Junelot Wolves. Yeah, I'll go the Giants up mm-hmm. home. I think um, you know two two bigs inside match up inside. Um, they're big guards. Um, you know, probably you know that 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 road trip's a little bit harder now for the Wolves guys being a little bit older. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if they all travel for this one. Um, but yeah, I'll take the Giants. Giants up there. Obviously, all teams are only having one road trip. If you get the Kalgoorlie one, it's a it's a couple of hours extra than Geraldton. You you're probably almost unlucky if you're heading to Kalgoorlie this year instead of Geraldton, aren't you? It makes a difference. And it does. It does. Just takes it out of your legs. That extra couple of hours, sort of from Meriden onwards, you mm. start to cramp up a little bit. So um, yeah, look, I just think yeah. Bit of an advantage uh, up there in this one. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with the Wolves though. Um, Perth Redbacks are then back at home, where they haven't lost yet this year, hosting the Southwest Slammers. Yeah, Redbacks for me in this one. Yeah, me, me too. But yeah, looking forward to heading out there and catching up with Mark Worthington and James Fitch and and Aaron Edwards. I think that's almost the the All Star coaching panel that they've got there. So the Slammers players are very lucky to be learning under the, the men, men that they are. Um, and next up, this is another good one. Rockingham Flames at home to the Bulletin Tigers. Yeah, another cracker. Um, two teams very evenly matched um, across the board. Um, you know, it's uh, where, where's this one being played? At, in Rockingham, yeah. In Rockingham? All right, that's going to tip me over the edge for the Flames in this one. I'll go uh, the Flames just, just squeaking past the Tigers down there. Yeah, I think the Flames too, but I expect it to be very close. Now, last up, interesting game for your Eastern Suns. Back at home out at Ray Owen against the Coburn Cougars. Yeah, look, for us, it's you know, another learning opportunity and we've already you know, identified for our guys that there's a lot of similarities to, to the Cougars and, and where we're at, um, and not only in our record or not only in our, our makeup of our teams, but also... Um, just the players on those opposition teams. And, um, you know, we're sort of looking around the league and sort of showing our guys these are the sorts of players that you should be, you know, trying to 
uh, not emulate your game, but you want to surpass what they're doing in the league because we see your skill set as being very similar. So um, massive learning curve for us. Um, again, never going to not tip us. Um, so I think uh, it'll be us in a very, very close one. Yeah, I think it'll be close too, but I do think the Coopers will, will get over the line. Um, then on Sunday, this is a really good good afternoon at Warwick Stadium on Sunday. Warwick Senators taking on the Perth Redbacks. Yeah, two very, very uh, experienced and uh, quality starting fives. Uh, probably going to come down to what's happened previously in the in the week in the yeah. the weekend's games. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think at home uh, the Senators for me on Sunday. Yep, I think the Senators as well. Okay, there we go. Round five in the West Coast Classic is now ahead of us. A massive weekend to look forward to when you. You think about the four games on Friday, the five on Saturday, and then that, that massive Senators Redbacks game on the Sunday. So plenty for us to to check out and come back to bring you next week. Obviously, on this week's show, we took a look at our mid-season award winners as well, and we want your feedback on that. And we also want some of your thoughts on who you think should be taking out those awards right now in the West Coast Classic. And, of course, a big thank you to Corey Easley for joining us on SBL Shootaround. That's it from me for this week. I'm Chris Pike, and I'll leave you with the expert thoughts, the the part of the show that you all tune in to listen to and don't miss. Ben Etridge, what can you leave us with for this week? Uh, similar to what I alluded to at the start of the season, just just remembering that at the start of the show, actually, it's, remembering it's been a, it's been a really long uh, long season for everyone. Um, we're heading into uncharted waters for a lot of a lot of teams. You know, August and September basketball hasn't been there. Um, so just you know, being aware of everyone's mental health and and how we're travelling, and and it could be just checking in um, outside of basketball with each other, just to make sure that we're all doing all right, and and making sure that um, you know whatever's happening around the world and and all that isn't getting to us too much. And sometimes uh, a problem shared is is a problem cut in half. And um, talking to someone, uh, whether it's a teammate or a family member or a coach, um, might be the the difference in in helping someone through a pretty tough time. So just being aware of that and, and what we're going through and it is a long season and um, yeah, we want to be here um, playing some good basketball in, in, in many more weeks to come. So just taking care of each other and, and making sure that we're, we're checking in and, and, and doing the right thing for, for everyone that's involved at the moment.